0: Christmas child kicks off today. There are pre-printed boxes at the entrances. Packed boxes need to return uh, to the church by November 12th. And tonight is our praise and prayer night. As we start the school year, start time will be 5 p.m. here in the sanctuary. All are encouraged to attend and pray for our area students, teachers, coaches, administrators and staff. And Maybe the parents, too, huh? as they go into the new school year. For, le- for those that love to praise the Lord, the choir practice resumes this Wednesday at 730. If you ever thought of joining the choir, please come and see what it's about. Contrary to my experiences while growing up, I hear from others that the choir director's not that bad to work with. <laughs> Strangely, some have even said she's fun. In two weeks, our worship at the park and fall kickoff party. Just a reminder that on that day, worship will be at 1015 and not nine o'clock. So later start time to our worship service at the park. There will be a carry in luncheon following worship. Please bring a chair and dish to share. There will also be a bounce house for the kids. Check the bulletin for other items happening soon. Fall activities are all beginning and there's information on a new Bible study any events for a junior and senior high youth so now let's have our greeting time <coughs> Good morning once again and welcome uh, to those listening on the radio and watching on Facebook. We're blessed that you chose to worship with us this morning. We will now have our call to worship. So please rise and join me. The call to worship is taken from Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You sit when I sit, you know when I sit and when I rise. For darkness is as light to you. For you, are created, you are created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I, I praise you, you because you I am fearful and wonderfully made. I know that you look well. You my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in their secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake, I am still with you. Let us join the praise team and sing, How great is our God, the goodness of God, and my mother's favorite song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone.
1: His faithfulness continues through all generations.
2: Amazing grace, how sweet.
1: We come to you this morning in prayer and give you thanks. Thank you for allowing us to gather here this morning to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you have done for us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world to die for our sins. So that those who believe in him and his resurrection may have eternal life. We live in a world where it seems that everything around us is constantly changing. But we give you thanks, Lord, for we know your word and your truth, they never change. Father, we thank you this time for our community and the surrounding communities you have placed us in. We're especially mindful this week of the children, teachers, all those who work in our local schools as they start back this week. Lord, we pray that you would keep your hand upon each of them. Guide them all in your truth and keep them safe throughout this upcoming school year. Lord, we live in a sinful world in which so many people are trying to remove you from all aspects of our lives, including our schools. But Lord, we know we need you. So please help our teachers, staff, school board members, and students to stand firm in their beliefs in you. Provide for them wisdom, discernment, the strength they need to be bold in making decisions that are pleasing to you. And we ask more than anything, Lord, that you would fill our local schools with your presence this upcoming year. Lord, we pray that you would bless our praise and prayer night this evening. We ask that the Holy Spirit would fill this sanctuary and that all who are here, Lord, might be filled. Open our hearts this evening. Let us to glorify you in our night of worship. Lord, this evening is all about you. Our hope is to glorify you in all we do as a church. We ask for your guidance and your direction over each of our ministries here at First Church. Heavenly Father, we pray for our whole church family at this time, and especially lift up those who are looking for answers. Many in our local church and community are dealing with health issues or troubled by some matter in their life. You know each of these concerns, and we lift them up to you at this time. Please provide healing where healing is needed. Provide comfort to those who are mourning, and provide wisdom to those seeking answers. Lord, we are grateful for this church family you have placed us in, and we know it is not by chance or accident that each of us are gathered here this morning. So now open up our hearts for the remainder of this service. Help each of us to seek out what it is you need us to hear this morning. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and Lord, we ask that you allow those who have not made a commitment to follow you to do so today. We ask all these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name, and pray together the prayer he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, Lord, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven." give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever
3: Amen This time I invite you to be seated and invite our children to come forward for children's chat No, you're not ready. No. Well, school year's coming. Whether you're you're ready for it. Awesome. Well, it's coming whether you're ready or not. Right. You guys are going to be waking up early, getting dressed, going to school, doing homework. Doesn't it all sound really fun? No. All right. Not the waking up part. I can feel you, sister. I know. Well, the beginning of a new school year is really exciting. Right. And it's an opportunity to go and to learn and to grow. And there's a lot of good things that happen during the school year. The call to worship that we got, that we read today was from Psalm 139. And one of the things that it taught us is that no matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, that the Lord is going to be with you. So when you guys start a new school year and you get new teachers and new friends and new things to do. It's important to remember that even there in your classrooms, God is with you, right? And so sometimes those things can be hard. Sometimes those things can be a little, new things can be a little scary, right? But you can always remember that God is gonna be with you everywhere you go, no matter, no matter what you're doing, no matter what um, challenges you guys are going through, the Lord is gonna be with you. And that's exciting. And that means that when you're having a bad day or when you're having a tough time at school, you can always pray to God and ask Him for help, right? Because we know that He is going to be there with you through it all. So I want you guys to think about that. Every day when you get up for school, remind yourself that God is going to be with you, that He's going to help you with whatever challenges you're facing, and that even even on the good days and the joys, He's there to help you through that all. So let's take a moment, let's pray, and ask God for a great school year, help you to do whatever you have to do this year. Does that sound good? All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for each one of these children that are up here with me this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for this new school year that's about to begin. I thank you for these students and pray that you help them face whatever challenges or difficulties may be ahead that a new school year brings. And we thank you also for the schools and the teachers and the staff that will be helping them to grow in their knowledge and grow into um, to the young people that you call them to be, Lord. And we thank you that no matter where they go, whether they're at home, at school, at the playground, uh, at a friend's house, that you are with them wherever they go. And that you can be, you are their source of strength and you are their source of hope and you are their source of peace. And we thank you for that. And I pray that they... Both the students and the teachers would be able to rely on you for what they need this school year. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys can go back and be seated. couple of things I want to share with you before we invite the deacons forward for our offering this morning. One, I know uh, Brian covered a couple of these things during our announcements before the service, but I want to just reiterate uh, a couple of those points. And one is that uh, today is the start of Operation Christmas Child. So if you did not get a chance to, you can pick up boxes uh, to take home, pack, and bring back to the church. Uh, we'll be collecting them through the fall up until November. And um, boxes that you bring back here um, will be sent out together, collected on that Sunday in November. Also, in two weeks from today is Worship at the Park. So again, I just I know there's a lot of information this morning, so I just want to reiterate that we are having a new start time that morning. Uh, we are going to be starting our worship service on September 3rd at 10.15. Um, that allows us to uh, be live on the radio from the park, um, so we're able to do that, and then we'll go right into our time of fall kickoff and food and fellowship right after the service that morning. So we do invite you all to be there and to participate. Um, If you're able to come, we invite you to bring a chair and also a dish to share for the meal afterwards. And also hope to see you tonight at Praise and Prayer Night here in the sanctuary at 5 o'clock. One more thing also, uh, in addition to our offering this morning that supports the Youth Ministry Fund, Uh, We also have the Blue Jug out here again. Um, That Blue Jug is going to support the uh, relief efforts in Maui for the wildfires. We had it out last week, and encourage you, if you're able to, uh, to give to that fund as well uh, to go to support the the disaster relief efforts that are happening there. So this time, I want to invite the deacons to come forward, and during our offering this morning, I invite you to to join us as we sing number 271, Standing on the Promises. Seated. Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 90, verse 12.
2: Psalm 90, 12, page 592 in your pew Bible. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom.
3: Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity to. <laughs> study it now together we thank you for lord just your holy spirit's presence in here in this place we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today and i pray that you would give me words to speak words that are honoring and pleasing to you O lord my rock and my redeemer pray these things in christ's name amen so that was one of the shorter scripture readings we've had in a while (laughs) just one verse from psalm 90 Um, But it's a very powerful verse, isn't it? Very important one for us to study here together this morning. As I was preparing the sermon this week, I walked down to Pastor Tori's office and uh, was just kind of bouncing some ideas off her, trying to uh, talk about what it means for us to number our days and have a heart of wisdom. And she mentioned, as as we're talking about this, she mentioned a song from a few years ago. And honestly, it's been stuck in my head ever since then. Do you guys remember the song, Live Like You're Dying? It's a country song that came out a few years ago. And the whole point of the song is that a person uh, was diagnosed with a terminal illness and, and they're having this conversation and they're asked what they did, what they plan to do with the time they had left. And Rocky Mountain climbing and they wrote a bull for 2.7 seconds named Fu Manchu, right? They did all of these exciting things that they had wanted to do. And of course, the moral of the song is to not wait until it's too late to begin to live like you're dying, to live life to its fullest. And in a similar way, that's what this verse is telling us to do, to number our days so that we may have a heart of wisdom. But we're not going to be talking about skydiving this morning or going Rocky Mountain climbing or any of those other things. Because that's not what this verse has in mind when it says to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Yes, we should be aware of the limited time we have left on this earth, the, the few days that we have, relatively speaking, to eternity. But our... Our goal is not to go out and do exciting things with those t- that time we have left, although that may be fun to you. I'm not going to go jump out of a plane anytime soon. Uh, but to live wisely and to live in light of eternity. You see, there's a problem that we all have to deal with at one point or another in our lives, isn't it? And that is our days are in fact numbered. Our days are in fact short. Life itself is brief. The psalm mentions that, Uh, in the first half of the psalm, the first part of it, it's a reflection on just the the brevity of life. And I want to read those verses for you so you can see the contrast that the psalmist is setting up. So if you're following along in your own Bibles, we are in Psalm 90, and I'm going to read beginning in verse 1 and invite you to follow along with me. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if, we have the, if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, the psalmist is setting up a a very powerful contrast here between the Lord and His eternal nature, right? The Lord is a dwelling place through all generations and from everlasting to everlasting, He is God. He's not bound by time. His days are not numbered, but ours are. By contrast, we human beings are finite. We have been given a limited amount of time on this earth. And of course, none of us know how long that is going to be. And I don't think that would do us a whole lot of good if we really knew the day of our death. But the one thing that we can be certain of is that our days are limited. Our days are numbered. And the psalmist even reflects there. He says, you know, it may be 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. In the long run, we may you know, we may experience a long life. But in the long run, in light of eternity, that is just a breath just a blip on the radar. And that's why the psalmist compares life to, to like the, the grass that springs up. In Israel, in that area, there were very dry, arid regions. And sometimes in the morning, the this, this thin grass would, would spring up and cover the ground. But because there was no uh, uh, source of water and the heat of the day would come upon it, the grass would wither and be gone by the evening. It was just there for a moment, and that was it. He says, that's what our life is like. It's like a grass that springs up and is gone. It's a, other parts of Scripture call it a vapor that is blown away. You see, death is something that we all must come to grips with. And it's not a pleasant topic to talk about. And it's not one that we typically like to dwell on too much. But Psalm ninety twelve reminds us that, that if we are able to number our days, that we may then live a wise, godly life. And that is our goal here this morning. I want to reflect on that a little bit more for us. You see, the problem that we all face is that we do have a limited amount of time and that all of us will experience death one day. Unless Jesus comes back before you die, that is a fate all of us will experience. But we must remember that from a Christian perspective, death was not part of God's good created order. See, other world religions or other philosophies for understanding the world uh, incorporate death as part of, part of creation or part of nature. Right? If you have a naturalistic or materialistic worldview, then death is just the end of life. Right? It's just part of the cycle. You live, you die, your body goes away, and and the cycle goes on and on, right? And there's nothing beyond death to comfort or strengthen a person. There's many Eastern religions that talk about reincarnation, that death is just part of a a continuous cycle of birth and death and rebirth, and that a person uh, is rewarded in the next life based on how they live their life now. And so you may live and you may die and, and you may be reincarnated according to their teaching with either you know, a greater privilege or less privilege based on your experience or your actions in this life. And, and I could go on and on, but other world religions or other philosophies teach that death is a part of the normal experience of life. That it was the way that things were meant to be. But Christianity tells a different story. Christianity says that death is an intrusion. That death itself is an enemy that terrorizes God's creation. You see, God did not create us to die originally. Back in Genesis 1 and 2, right? That is not how we were created to live, to be. But as a consequence of our sin, death entered the world. And that's why the psalmist reflects on this. He's making a connection between our limited number of days and God's righteous wrath or anger or punishment for sin. In other words, death is a consequence. It's the it's the byproduct of our sin in this world. But that's not all Scripture has to say about death, is it? We know from the, from the testimony of Scripture that death itself is an intruder. It's an enemy that is to be conquered. And we should never call a friend what God calls an enemy. Right? In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Death is an enemy that is still to be conquered. But we also know that through Jesus' death and resurrection, death has been defeated. Right? When Jesus died, he took your sin and my sin upon himself on the cross and and paid the price that we deserve. So if death is a consequence for sin, and our sin has been paid for by Jesus, that means He has defeated the consequence. He has removed the penalty from us. So we no longer have to live in fear of the penalty of sin. And in His resurrection, He has proven that He has conquered death and sin in the grave, and has made eternal life available to all of His people. then one day, and, and, and Jesus through his death and resurrection, also holds the power of sin and death. In Revelation 1, it talks about it, it this vision of Jesus and all of his glory. And, and he tells the Apostle John, I hold the keys to death and to Hades. In other words, Jesus has authority over life and death. And finally, at the end of Revelation, in chapter 21, in the vision of the new heaven and the new earth, we get this promise that death itself will be no more death will be wiped away and will no longer even be a part of God's new creation when He reestablishes and redeems His creation. And so Christianity, our faith in Christ, gives us a new way, a new perspective on how to understand our brief life and our eternal destiny. Death does not have the final word. It is the consequence of sin and it is part of this broken world that we live in. But one day, through Christ and His, and His return, He will remove death because He has conquered it through His death and His resurrection. And so we get this prayer in verse 12. As the psalmist reflects on the, the brevity of life and the reason for it, in verse 12, it's really a, a prayer. He's asking God to help him, to teach him, to number his days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Notice here that the psalmist doesn't ask to avoid death, right? He understands that death is a consequence of sin and and he's a sinner and therefore it is a part of the way things currently are. Instead, he asks the Lord to give him a heart of wisdom. He he asks for self-awareness so that he may live life now in light of eternity. And so as we take time here this morning to dwell on this verse, it's important that we do the same thing, that we ask God to help us to put our life into perspective, right? If the problem that we experience as humans is that life is short, that it is brief, then the solution to that problem is that we need to live with an eternal perspective in mind. We need to live our life in light of what God has done for us through Christ. Only then can we truly have a heart of wisdom. Only then can we understand what it means to number our days and live in light of that reality. And so I encourage you to to ask God to help you understand that. Again, it's not about about, um, knowing when we're going to die, right? None of us would do anything beneficial with that information, right? But it's about knowing that our life is, in fact, brief. Even if we live to 80, 90, 100 years old, one day we will all stand before the Lord and give an account of how we lived our lives. And so at the time that we have left here today, I want to reflect on what it means to live in a heart, with a heart of wisdom. What it means to live in light of the things that we've talked about so far today. And of course, there's probably more to be said on the subject that I'm going to have time to cover here today. When we talk about what it means to live wisely, there's so much to talk about. But there are four things that I want to—I want us to spend time reflecting on this morning. And the first thing is that we need to put the value of life into perspective. So as we, as we ask God to help us to uh, number our days and give us a heart of wisdom, we must put the value of life into perspective. Yes, life is short, relatively speaking. It is brief at times, but it is certainly not meaningless. It is not pointless. There's some, um, again, going back to other uh, philosophies, other worldviews that will say that, that there's nothing beyond this life, there's nothing more than what you see right in front of your face. Basically, you live, you die, and you're forgotten. And so you just, you just live for the moment and make the best of it. But because we, don't, because we believe that there is more to life than we see right in front of our faces, because we believe that Jesus is alive today, it, do, it, it gives meaning and significance to the life that we live now. Life is not meaningless. It is not pointless. It is a gift of God. And it is something to be valued and treasured and cherished in all of its forms. We read from Psalm 139 in our call to worship this morning. And and, and that passage reminds us that that God knits us together in our mother's womb. That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. All life is a gift from God. Life from, uh, from the moment of conception in the womb until natural death in the tomb all life is valuable and precious and worth protecting. And we only come to that conclusion, we only understand that if we believe that there is more to life than we see right in front of our faces. That life is a gift from God. It is precious. It is to be valued. And it is to be celebrated. And so we should strive to support life in any way that we can. Again, from the womb to the tomb. And we should support people who are in difficult situations. We should encourage people to seek life in all circumstances. And as a church, be able to support those who are on the front lines, helping to care for people who are in need. So we must put the value of life into perspective. It's not meaningless. It's not pointless. There is value to it, and we should cherish it in all ways that we can. The second thing we must do is we must put our relationship with God into perspective as well. I want to read verse uh, 13 and 14 now. It says, right after his prayer in verse 12, he says, Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. That we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. See, the psalmist came to an important conclusion as he asked God to give him wisdom, right? And that is joy, and joy is found in the presence of the Lord. He asked God to satisfy him with his unfailing love that he may rejoice all of his days. See, if we want to understand. The value of life, we want to understand how to number our days, we need to understand ourselves in relationship to our Creator. We must know that He loves us and He gave His life for us so that we can know Him and be in a relationship with Him. That is where uh, our meaning in life comes from. There's a lot of people that go through life and try to find meaning elsewhere. Right? They try to fill their lives with things that they think are going to satisfy them. They, find, they, they fill their lives with things that they think are going to bring them joy. But in the long run, all of those things are temporary. None of them are truly going to satisfy a person like a relationship with the Lord can. Only He can give us the true joy, the true hope, the true significance that we long for and we try to find in other places. It reminds me of the first first question in the Heidelberg Catechism. Many of you probably know that by heart, right? What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? That is our comfort, right? That is our hope. It's not the money in your bank account, it's not your job, it's not your family. All of those things can be good and they can in and of themselves be blessings from God in this life. But you can't take any of that with you. You can't take your money with you into the grave. You can't take your job with you. You can't take your status with you. You can't take your earthly accomplishments with you. But you can... And you will take your relationship with the Lord. That is our hope. That we don't belong to ourselves, but we belong to the Lord. And so, with that in mind, we should live now in light of that truth, right? Heaven isn't just some uh, consolation prize that we get one day when we die. But it is is the way that we can orient and, and live our lives now. We can live in light of eternity, in, in, out of our relationship with God. And so let me ask you, how are you using your time, your talent, your treasure for His glory and His honor? God has given you resources, right? And, and God has given you opportunities. And if we're just living for ourselves, we're going to take a, we're going to take those things and just use them for our own good or for our own pleasure or for our own desires. But if we live in light of eternity, if we understand who we are in relationship to God, then we're going to find ways to honor Him with those things in our lives. We all have time, talent, and treasure that we can offer up to the Lord. And His desire is that we use those things to honor Him, that we use those things to further His kingdom, that we use those things to, to, to shine His light in a world that desperately needs to see Him. So how are you using your time, your talent, your treasures? And are there ways that you can use them to better glorify God? One more thing before we move on, and I know this is a point that I've hammered home a few times recently. But where does Jesus rank in your priority list? Where does he rank in terms of your responsibilities and commitments in life? Again, it's not that those other things don't matter. They certainly do. You need to go to work. You need to provide for your family. You need to take care of your kids. All of those things are God-given responsibilities, and they are good for you. But where does your relationship with God fit in that? Do you make time for him? Do you, do you put attending... Worship with brothers and sisters in Christ as a priority? Do you spend time with Him every day in in the Word and in prayer in order to to grow in your personal relationship with Him? If we truly understood the number of days that we have, if we truly had a heart of wisdom, then we would make Him our number one priority. We would put Him first in everything that we do. (laughs) The third thing The third way we can have a heart of wisdom is by putting our circumstances into perspective. In verse 15, the psalmist says, Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. In other words, he's asking God to bless him. He understands that life is hard. He understands that there are difficulties that he's gone through. And based on his previous comments in the, in the psalm, I'd say he understands that a lot of those are the consequences of the, or the result of sin. His own and others, of course. But his prayer here is that God would bless him. That God would make him uh, glad, right? As, for as many days as he's been afflicted. In other words, he wants to experience God's blessing in, res- in restoration, excuse me. You see, I believe that God answers that prayer and then some. Because if we have an eternal perspective, if we understand what God has done for us in Christ and the eternal life that He has made available to those who believe in Him, then we'll know that it's not just an equal trade, right? God's not just going to give us a a one-to-one ratio back for the struggles and 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 the hardships that we've experienced in this life. He's going to give us... Abundantly more, infinitely more, in return for our hardships and our trials. If we believe that we have eternal life ahead of us, in the presence of God and with His people, then, then anything we experience in this life will just be a, a blink, a blip on the radar compared to eternity. We sang uh, Amazing Grace yesterday at the memorial service. And that last verse always hits me. And I know I've shared this with you before, but I'm going to, I'll probably share it again many, many more times. The last verse of amazing grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Think about what that verse is communicating. That 10,000 years in the presence of the Lord is just the beginning. It's just the start of what we as God's people have to look forward to. So when we experience hardship in this life, as real and as painful and as difficult as it can be, we face it with the confidence that all of our trials have an expiration date on them. That all of our hardships will one day be over. And I know that's hard to understand that in the moment. I know that's hard to wrap our minds around when you're in the middle of it. But that's the promise we have. That's the hope we have in Christ, is that our days are numbered which means that our hardship and our trials and our struggles are numbered as well. The promise we have from Scripture is that one day those things will be over. We may not experience that today. We may not experience that tomorrow. We may not experience that in this lifetime. But we have the promise and the hope that when we go to be with the Lord, all of those things will be gone. And there will be nothing left, but joy and hope and peace in the Lord. And so the hope we have in Christ is not, is not just for this life, it's not just for this moment, although it certainly does give us hope here and now, but it is, it is the foundation, it's the anchor that we hold on to, knowing what is to come. And so when we talk about our hope in Christ, it's not just a uh, escapism, right? It's not, uh, it's not just about uh, ignore it or, or one day we'll be taken away. And it's not about just a, a grin and bear it kind of stoicism. But we live in light of that truth now. We allow the hope that we hold on to to impact our lives today. And so it's not just about holding out until one day we'll be in heaven and everything will be great, but now it's pretty rough. But it's allowing the truth of eternity, it's allowing the the gospel to impact our lives now. And so we face our circumstances differently because of that hope. We face our trials today differently because of the hope we have in Christ. And we know that no matter how difficult or painful that experience may be, we know that we face it not alone, but with the presence of Christ to strengthen us. We face it knowing that our Savior suffered and died Himself. He's experienced the full gambit of, of, of suffering and, and of human temptation, yet He did not sin. And so we can face it through the power and the presence of His Spirit, knowing that our Savior is alive seated at the right hand of His Father, ever interceding for us. Right, I went a little over on that one. The last point I want to share is that by having a heart of wisdom, it helps put our actions now into perspective. Godly wisdom is both knowing what is right and doing what is right, and applying it and living it out in your life. It's one thing to know about God. It's, a, it's another thing to then reorient your life around His character and His Word and live in light of that. And so to live with a heart of wisdom in light of, our, of our, the number of our days is to invest in the things that really matter. To invest in the things that are going to last beyond us. There's a lot of things that we do, right, that are just for the here and now. There's a lot of things that we value as first importance that are not going to live beyond ourselves. I hate to say this to you, but, but very few of us will be remembered beyond the living memory of ourselves and our children, right? Maybe your, your name will be, a day, uh, will, be, will be listed in a, in a family genealogy. Maybe you'll accomplish something that will be remembered for a time. Of course, I understand that. But in the long run of things, very few people are remembered generations from now. But you know what will last? The things that we do for the kingdom of God. Your relationship with God will last into eternity. And the things that you do for Him, the way, the way that you invest in in His kingdom and His ministry will last forever. You see, that's the legacy, that's the impact that you can have is by investing in what really matters. Again, I understand that we all have have earthly responsibilities that we need to take care of and, that, and we can do those things uh, in, in a way that honors God and pleases Him. So I'm not saying to you know, quit your jobs and and abandon your family or anything like that. Don't, Don't hear me say that. We can honor God with the way that we go about those ordinary everyday tasks. But we also need to make sure that we are investing in eternity. That we're doing things that are going to last beyond ourselves. The psalmist closes this passage in verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The psalmist understands that in our own strength and our own power, you know, we're going to build little uh, uh, kingdoms of dust that will just get blown away over time. But if we want to build something that lasts, it needs to be built on the foundation that God has laid for us in Christ. If we want to build something of eternal value and importance, it must be done in His way and in, in His kingdom. So what does that look like for us? means investing in relationships and discipling people to know, love, and serve the Lord. Of giving our time, talents, and treasures in a way to honor God and, and further His kingdom in this community and around the world. Those are the things that are going to last. And I'll close with on this thought. I really do believe that one day, you know, we, we often think when we go to stand in front of the Lord, we're going to be... Uh, held to account for the things that we've done with this life. And, and, and that's true. And, and we often think about that in a negative way, right? The, the time that we've wasted, the opportunities that we've wasted. But I want to encourage you today to think about that from the other perspective. I really do believe that one day when we stand before the Lord and we're with Him and His people forever, we're going to be able to see the impact that we had in other people's lives. Sunday school teachers, you're going you're gonna to see the impact that you had on those kids that maybe grew up and you never heard from them again. But you're going to have an opportunity to, to, to see the, the kingdom impact that you had on their lives. Parents, you, you're going to see the impact that you had on your children and, and grandchildren, even great-grandchildren, in ways that maybe you didn't see in your life. And I think you're going to find that you impacted far more people than you realized. But we now need to take that opportunity while we have the time, while we are living within our our brief, short lifespan, to make that impact so that others can know Christ. And His kingdom can be built here on earth. I said that was in closing, but I have to say one more thing. We can live wisely, we can do all of these things, but we must understand that all of this is only possible because of what Jesus did for us. This psalm is set up as a contrast between an eternal God and a finite human being, right? The only reason our finite lives are worth anything, the only reason our finite lives are, are, have any value at all is because the eternal God became a human being in order to rescue us and save us from our sin. The only reason that any of this makes sense, the only reason we're gathered here this morning, is because the eternal God who created the heavens and the earth became a human being in order to live and die and to live again to make eternal life available to us all, to restore what was broken, to forgive us of our sins. And you can experience that forgiveness. You can experience that joy. You can experience that hope by putting your trust in Christ today. That is a decision for you to make. I encourage you to do so. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for this time here today. Thank you for your words. And thank you for the hope that you give us. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Help us to put our lives into perspective knowing who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we close our service of worship today, I invite you to stand and sing our closing song with us. you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.